morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Maddie. I get to be part of the leadership team here at Epiphany, and I get to lead it into conversation number seven from our teaching series on the Bible. So we're kind of in the back half of this teaching series. We've been doing it all summer long, 10 weeks in total. We're in number seven, and what we're doing is we're actually starting now to look at kind of the second half of the Bible. You've got the old half, new half, Old Testament, New Testament. And so now we're walking through how everything from the old feeds into the new, and everything in the new speaks about everything God has always been trying to do. So through this series, what we're trying to understand is what it is that the Bible is actually trying to tell you about you. And so we took a core text, small, pertinent core text that we've looked at every single week to try and understand it and to understand it more. Our core text is John 3, 16 through 17. This is what Jesus said. He said, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son to the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So we're looking at trying to understand how everything in the new half now of the Bible speaks to that, speaks to that goal and that purpose of God. Last week we talked about Jesus' birth and how his birth was necessary and how it was planned and how it was everything that it needed to be to help people believe. But today we get to talk about his preaching. Now, when you have conversations about preaching, we've all got different experiences of maybe church preaching or the people preaching at you that you don't quite prefer. So what we're going to make sure we understand is what preaching is. Before we say what Jesus preached and why he preached, what preaching is. Very simply put, preaching is promoting something that you believe to another person. If you believe something and you tell them what you believe and you want them to believe it too, that's preaching. It's promoting something, it's, it's wanting them to know, it's advocating for it. And so, if we believe in something, if I believe in something, and I really think you should know it and believe in it too, we preach. It would appear, from the Bible, from the New Testament, that Jesus had a lot that he wanted us to know. A lot that he thinks he believes that would benefit us to know. So he preaches, and he preaches a lot. And he preaches on a lot of different things. And he preaches again and again and again and again in different environments and different people. In fact, one of the most famous speeches, I think, ever in the history of mankind is one of these accounts of Jesus preaching. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, in which in his very early days of ministry, he told people a lot of things. And in this one conversation, one preaching, he touched on all of these things about who God blesses, how to represent Jesus when you, people hate you, how to obey God, how to deal with anger, adultery, divorce, vows, revenge. He talked about and preached on loving enemies, serving the needy, prayer and fasting, money and possessions. He preached on not judging others. He preached on praying again, like it's important. And then he preached on treating other people correctly, showing the results of our salvation, and making Jesus the one we actually follow and who is the foundation of our beliefs. He did all of that in one. If I did all of that in one, we'd need more comfortable seating. But he did all of that, and he covered all that, and that's such a broad variety, it's a spectrum of things that he believes that we need to know about, of really how to do life. Money, marriage, business, sex, friendships, all of it, Jesus wants to give direction on it. Sometimes he would teach very practically. He would preach, do this, don't do this. This is right, this is wrong. If you want to love God and love people, don't be a jackwagon. That's paraphrased. He would also sometimes preach very kind of enigmatically, like he would approach a very deep or a very spiritual or ethereal conversation that would take people time 
for it to sink in. He did whatever he needed to do for people to understand. And so his preaching, we get it in the New Testament. We get it in the first four books. Ones we've come to call the Gospels, which is a narrative of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you see, Jesus preached. But have you ever wondered why? Like I think, you know, most people, church or not, could say, yeah, Jesus probably has some things to say. But why? Like, why did he have a lot of things to say about a lot of different things? Because on the face of it, if Jesus' job was John 3, 16, 17, he was just here to do a job, get something done, save people, eternity, done. Then really all he should have had to talk about was how to get saved. Like, all he should have had to talk about was how to kind of squeak in through the door of the kingdom of heaven. And you're, you're... So why did he preach about so much other stuff, too? Like, he even said at one point when he was kind of confronted, he was, hey, we want you to stick around here, stay here, keep preaching with us. He said, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go to all of these other towns. And the reason I'm going to go to these other towns is because I'm going to preach to them. That is why I came. So why preach? Did he preach so the church could be the best behaved group of people in the world? Did he preach so that the church could think it was better than everyone because we've got the answers? Did he preach so that we could look down on everybody else and tell them just how wrong they are? And we might kind of tongue-in-cheek snicker or shudder at that, but that's what a lot of people you know think about your church because that's how we've portrayed Jesus' preaching as a weapon against others. But I wonder if maybe... Jesus had a more loving reason for his preaching. I wonder if he has a better reason for preaching. In fact, I wonder if Jesus was actively, intuitively, and strategically saying words. Like everything that came out of his mouth was intentional. Like everything that came out of his mouth had a really good reason, like it was actually based in what God has always been doing. The preaching wasn't just some extra fluff to fill a stadium, but he actually had something that was essential to know. What if Jesus' preaching was perfectly placed? As that moment between everything that had ever happened, everything we've covered so far in our conversation on the Bible and everything that was going to come, it was the moment that Jesus started preaching that there was that pivotal moment. Now, I know when I have a reference like the, the, the series so far, you're thinking to yourself, is Maddie going to take us on a verbal flashback of kind of everything we've done so far? And yes, yes, I am. So buckle up. The key conversation that I believe we've had so far in this series was three weeks ago. You all remember it, right? You can verbatim main points. You've probably got the notes in your pocket. You went home and watched it online over and over again. Of course you did. But if to recap, we had a conversation three weeks ago in which we bundled up the Old Testament. We finished it off and we said, this is what the Old Testament was about. This is what God was trying to communicate. And he found this ending of the Old Testament on this prophecy. This prophecy in which he said, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be kind of that knife-edge moment where everything goes into gear, where everything that I've been planning happens. And it was around this boy. It was around this child. It was around this man. And he gave this prophecy to a guy called Isaiah. And so, in the New Testament, before Jesus speaks, before he preaches, before he tells us anything that we need to know, they actually reference that very prophecy. Because Jesus makes sure that everything is fulfilled going backwards, so that moving forwards people can believe and they can hear. Check this out, this is the time in which Jesus realized that his cousin John had been arrested, John the Baptist had been arrested for telling people that Jesus was Jesus. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, 
then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Great names. Anyone? Your next children? <laughs> Why snicker? This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Everything before Jesus preaches, everything is fulfilled, everything is tied together. And then from that moment, from right then, like the very next thing that the gospel says is, from then on, Jesus preached. Like from that moment where everything was tied up, Jesus preached. And from then on, he preached three things. From then on, he preached repenting from sins. From then on, he preached turning to God. From then on, he preached about the kingdom of heaven. And he didn't just preach this one time. as like, hey, you guys should go and repent, turn to God, kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is from then on, everything that Jesus preached was repent, turn, and focus on the kingdom. So everything that he has to say to me, to you, to his church that he's preaching is repent, turn, and focus, no matter the topic. So no matter wherever we see his preaching on marriage, on money, or enemies, or needy, or just loving people well, it's repent, it's turn, and it's focus. And we hear the word repentance in church, and it makes us want to climb up and shut down because Maddie's starting to start yelling at us. But what repentance genuinely means is it means the ability to admit something. It means the ability to admit that I've done, not we've done, we're all generally bad people, but that I have done something sinful, that I have done something evil. And owning the fact that those things separate me from God and they separate me from people. And in that moment, I'm willing to admit it, but I'm willing to admit it to God. And I'm willing to actually ask for him to forgive me for the, the wrong thing that I've done. Repentance is asking forgiveness and God giving the promise that he's ready to give it. Turning to God, turning to God is so that we don't have that off-the-hook excuse. Like I said, sorry, I'm good to go. Let's hit the club. Like, it's instead this idea that we would say that that's not what we want to be and do, and then we'd actually turn to God for direction. We would actually turn to Him in the way that we live, that we'd look to Him for the right way to do everything. Like, obeying God is actually loving God. And then we have this idea of focusing all of our attention on the kingdom of heaven. Like all of you, all of everything about you would be about the kingdom and nothing else. That's what Jesus came to preach. That's his what and that's his why. And so even when you just take that one example of his preaching on Sermon on the Mount, and you see in Matthew 5 through 7, all those different things that he talked about, he's talking about repenting, turning, and focusing. So maybe he talks about anger, and you're like, oh, that could be me. Maybe anger is your thing. Maybe when Jesus preaches about anger, you want to flip the page. Maybe anger is something that you wish wasn't part of you. Maybe other well, people wish it wasn't part of you. Maybe how you treat your enemies doesn't exactly line up with how Jesus said to do it. Maybe, maybe it's personal. Maybe it's your ex. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's political. And maybe you don't treat the people who disagree with you, or maybe you don't treat the people who hate you quite like Jesus said to. Maybe it's judgment of others. Maybe you do struggle honestly 
with the feeling that you are better than people because there's a lot of people doing a lot of stupid stuff. And you look and you see a lot of people doing a lot of sinful stuff and you're thinking to yourself, I'm pretty good. I don't know what Jesus was thinking when he thought about the perfect person who goes to church, but getting pretty close. <laughs> Maybe it's flat out obedience to all of God's commandments, to letting Jesus actually lead and you following. And maybe you feel like you're not doing that and actually not following does actually mean not following. And so we look at all these things, anything that could ever be personal and individualized to you and consider the fact that Jesus preached them for the only reason of turning you back onto the track. The only reason of giving you the opportunity to see the need for repentance, dependence on God, turning to him and a focus on the kingdom. That he would put you on the track to loving God and loving people. Because what did he come to do? He came to shine light into darkness. And people in darkness often don't know that they're sitting in darkness until a light comes and shows that something's wrong. And so Jesus comes in boldness and says, right and wrong and do and don't. And this is the way and don't be a jack wagon. He does this to put us on the right track. To put us on the path to the kingdom of heaven. And so for any one of us who gets to that place where, yeah, I kind of want to do that. Like, I want, to, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to love God and love people. The question will always be, whenever you come across Jesus' preaching, what to do with it? And the only answer you have is to let him preach. Is to let Jesus preach. That's why he preaches, so he can preach to you. Not so we can look at it and hope someone else reads it. He preaches to you specifically on the things you need to know about you. And there's going to come a point where you come across Jesus' preaching and you're not going to like it. Because he's going to tell you to repent from sin. He's going to tell you to own it. Own that it's not good. Own that it's not God. Face it down. Talk to your Father in heaven about it. And humbly ask for forgiveness. But here's the promise that comes in that. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing that you've done for however long you've been doing it. There's no sin that you can invent that God is not already waiting to forgive. That he's not already waiting to reconcile. So we get to repent, knowing who we're repenting to. And then we turn. Part of letting Jesus preach is there comes a point where he's going to say, I need you to turn that focus to God. I need you to turn to him and do it the way he tells you to do it. Stop giving it lip service and change. Allow it to change you. Allow what I have to say to you to change everything about you. Because when Jesus preaches, he doesn't do it to inform people. When people respond to Jesus' preaching, it's not creating a mass of well-informed Christians. When people respond to Jesus' preaching... They are transformed, not informed. They are changed people. They go through something that makes them not like who they once were. And so when we genuinely turn to God, that is what we're giving him permission to do. To allow us to be his people. And then finally, this, this more enigmatic, this, this maybe confusing, this focus on the kingdom of heaven. This thing that Jesus said is more important than anything else. This thing that you get to be a part of, this thing that you get to be invited into, is that God offers for you to experience being a citizen of heaven now and then. You get to experience relationship with God now and then. You get to know what it's like to be unconditionally loved now and then. And so when we do, when we focus on the kingdom, we focus everything on the kingdom. 
We think of our plans, we think of our goals, we think of our dreams, we think of our family, we think of our work, we think of our money, we think of our energy, and we say, how is this focused on the kingdom of heaven? How is this leading me or others in worship towards the king of where I want to be? And so Jesus shines this light and he asks us to respond. He asks us to let him preach. Now, all of us are very different. You and I have different things that we might struggle with. We have different things, different areas that we struggle to love God and love people. And that is why I'm not going to tell you what you have to deal with next. But that is also why we all have the same biblical prescription of what to do next. It's to let him preach. It's why he preached on so many things. So much variety, so much depth, so much specificity. So that he can tell you the thing that you need to know about you. If you're serious about loving God and loving people, letting Jesus preach, I want you to do something for me today. I want you to do something for me this week. I want you to read what he has to preach very specifically, I want you to read the book of Matthew, the very first chapter of the New Testament, chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And let it preach. Let it preach like Jesus actually preached it. Let it preach like he preached it to you. Not the people then, but he's preaching it to you so you can know what you need to know about you. Let it preach to you if you're a teenager. Let it preach to you if you've been a Christian for 80 years. Let it preach to you like God has more for you to know about you than you currently know about you. And let it preach like he's doing it for your good. Let it preach like he wants to put you on the right path and track. Now as we wrap up the conversation here, I'm going to have the music team come on up. They're going to have an opportunity to lead us in a song of response, a song of worship, and you can engage in that if you wish. While they're doing that, as always, our prayer team will be down front during that last song and at the end of the experience. And so when we talk about Jesus kind of unearthing some of the ugliness, some of the things we remember we need to repent of, some of the things we have to deal with and face, this is a good opportunity if you need someone to pray for you as you choose to do that, as you strive and seek to follow Jesus. And as we talk about the Bible, if you don't have one, if you don't have one that you understand, we have a whole stack of them out on the welcome station, free gifts to you just for being here with us today. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, we thank you that you don't leave us in the hole. Um, you don't leave us just wallowing in the things that we thought were right to do. We thank you that you don't leave us just to cause pain, and to experience pain at our own hand, or to cause pain and hurt to others, but you call us to do the right thing. You cause us to live life in a way that actually honors you. So we ask you that you would preach to us. We ask that we would have a desire to be preached to, that we would desire to be taught, that we'd humbly submit to the things that you want to call out in us. God, I ask that as we walk out of here today, get in the car, walk home, go and get food, or just go watch TV, whatever it is, we would not allow this to slip. We would not allow this question to go unanswered. We would not allow ourselves to be distracted from your preaching. And that's the actually changes as a people. So we can live what we're supposed to live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.